0: McKinney Flavel's Hot Commodity Podcast Series, empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavel, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Today is July 21st, 2023, and I'm joined by a very special guest, and that's Derek Glade, the VP of Sales and Marketing for Taffy Town. Welcome back, Derek.
1: Hey, thanks, Mike. It's always fun to be with you.
0: All the way from Utah. <laughs> Thank you for uh, taking the time today to join our podcast. Uh, you did such a great job a uh, year and a half ago. I thought we'd give our listeners an update. And again, uh, for those that don't remember uh, Derek being on the podcast before, uh, he came on uh, about a year and a half ago and talked about some of the challenges from a food manufacturing standpoint uh, as it related to to COVID and how to navigate through. And I thought, boy, it's been a year and a half and uh, welcome back and, you know, Derek, first and foremost, I'll, I'll have you uh, introduce your company again. Uh, but Taffy Town, based out of Utah, is a premier taffy company, and I always like Derek. You know, you you always come out with great and new flavors. And and on your website, I noticed. And I've been to your facility and tasted some of them, but you had over ten new items. And my uh, three favorites, I'm going to say, were coconut curry taffy, shaved ice, and what you call these taffy bombs with her freeze dry. Taffy, which was just cool. Um, So I'll leave it with that. (laughs) You can introduce yourself.
1: No, that sounds great. Thanks, Mike, for, uh, you know, propping me up there. Uh, We're certainly proud of Taffy Town. I feel like, you know, we're now a company that in the last uh, maybe decade or so has uh, certainly led the way in the category of uh, gourmet saltwater Taffy we do do a whole lot of flavors like you mentioned and we try to be as creative as possible since we are you know exclusive and and 100 just specialized in manufacturing that confection and uh you know things are things are going well and you know along that line of just fun flavors that's that's one of our you know mainstays to marketing is always staying innovative and fun with flavors so we We try to maintain 80 standard flavors in our lineup and every year we're looking at sales numbers and we'll retire some of the uh four underselling items and we'll introduce four new flavors every year um just so that both the you know our retailers and consumers uh, both can keep things interesting and fun like this last year you know we we took a new play on honey it's a naturally mm. flavored honey flavor but we added uh, you know real lavender buds to it and made a honey lavender that's oh uh, quite quite tasty it's really good especially if you know if that's kind of your, your kind of thing
0: um, yeah you know I guess that, that that's considered farm to table right yeah yeah exactly
1: <laughs> these are things these are things you can find on the farm but I think uh, you know we'll, we'll we're gonna be doing more mashup type things like that maybe looking at cool. You know existing flavors that we have, and just uh, combining them with others, and and just coming out with new twists on things. So, and then next year we're going to be a little bit more bold with our uh, interfacing with our direct consumer sales on our website, and we're going to uh, do something a little different with having flavors of the month that are 100% exclusive, 100% mm. brand new and giving them away in small sample sizes with a minimum purchase uh, on the website. And in so doing, we're gonna try to gauge feedback from our consumer base and see if that maybe uh, helps us to better recommend or keep some of those flavors for the new flavors for the next year. So looking forward to that, and I feel like we can be a little bit more fun and a little bit more bold with just having these little exclusive giveaways. you know.
0: Well, put me on the list. Uh, you know what the cool thing about Taffy Town is it's a multi-generational uh, family-run uh, company. Your great-grandfather started the company back in many years ago. And uh, it's really good to see that uh, you guys are uh, doing doing good and made it through COVID and, and expanding. Uh, it's great to have a an American company that's uh, multi-generational doing well. So I love it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're very much trying to be you know, American sourced, American made,
1: as much as we possibly can. So excellent, yeah.
0: excellent. Well, let's go ahead and dive into it. So last time you were on the the podcast, we talked about challenges of uh, that that you uh, in particular were dealing with it, as it related to COVID. Uh, we talked about things such as uh, labor, uh, finding employees, uh, finding employees to stick around keeping them happy and safe, uh, supply of raw materials, um, different lead times, surprise shortages. There were all kinds of challenges. And and you gave a really great recap of the types of uh, ways that you were dealing with those challenges. And I thought today, again, what we would do is talk about some of your current challenges since uh, you were last on the podcast or maybe something, (laughs) nothing's changed. (laughs) But uh, maybe you could give uh, everybody an insight on uh, kind of what you're dealing with.
1: No, I think, uh, no, I appreciate the opportunity to just at least give my humble opinion as a small manufacturer on this stuff and what we've, uh, what we're seeing now as opposed to then. I think there is some changes, uh, particularly, you know, just to answer back on on the labor issue that was certainly much more of a challenge uh, 18 months ago, um, where we had, I think, you know, Utah was not immune to... Uh, similar situations around the country where there was just such a race in uh, salaries and, and, and wage increases, and there was just a lot of job hopping in the uh, you know in the labor industry. Uh, you know, we we have our facility out here in a fairly busy industrial park, mm-hmm. and back then it was just so common for someone to come in and work a day and take a lunch break and, and maybe on that break, they're just shopping around to the local factories around us to see who's, who's going to offer maybe another 25, 50 cents more an hour, or what, what job maybe seems slightly more to their, uh, you know, interest or, uh, it's just extremely competitive and such a high turnover rate. And, um, you know, I think, you know, two things, I think that it's kind of stabilized a little bit more uh, now uh, I think the you know the the U.S. reports are, are reporting as much. There continues to be a downward trend on uh, unemployment claims. I think there's there's a downward trend on uh, people you know moving from job to job, and um, aside from that, you know we took an interesting take. Normally, there's a lot of seasonality to Taffy Town's business. You know, our taffy has a huge uh, increase in demand in spring and summer. Yeah. And and you know we've we've usually uh, taken the approach to where we size our our production accordingly. And when we get into, you know, fall and winter months, whether it's just attrition and we see people kind of leave the workplace naturally or we're needing to let go of a few people, you know, we kind of would see that happen and dwindle our numbers down in the plant and then we'd make this huge effort to build up after the first of the year to get ready for spring and summer. And, um, you know, we sat down and looked hard at numbers and 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 more so when we found ourselves in a situation where commodities were increasing, costs were increasing. I mean, we've taken on contracts for ingredients this year that were even more expensive than last year. That was just kind of mm-hmm. the name of the game, right? Um, but what we found ourselves thinking was, you know, here we are still on on uh you know less expensive commodities at the time we should be looking to see what we can do to make make inventory make the items while we have it while we have cheaper ingredients while we have labor available um and so we we maintained our labor force at full capacity throughout the year and really challenged our warehouse capacity and just amped up Mm -hmm. our 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 inventories of finished goods. That was something that we really hadn't seen ourselves experimenting with in quite some time. Uh, the, the, you know, the call to action or the, you know, the rally cry in the factory was to, you know, have a work-life balance right. and eliminate overtime. And um, so where we're normally, we were, we were working a lot of overtime in spring and summer, and sometimes it would linger in later in the year we we completely eliminated overtime as of I believe mid June of twenty twenty two, and wow. just kept going. We haven't worked any overtime in the factory since, and did a lot of interesting things to find out. Um, you know that was a huge win for us because it gave us a real running start into our season. It allowed us to have so much uh, shorter lead times on deliveries, and I think it allowed us to gain. Uh, you know, greater market share and deliver faster when people normally weren't mm-hmm. used to getting that from Taffytown. So, you know, we grew our business, we grew our customer base. And, you know, all the while, you know, we've been doing a great job operating a, a fantastic continuous improvement program here at the factory and looking for ways in which we can be more efficient. Um, and just this last month, you know, we produced more product in one month than we ever have overtime included, wow. but we never, we never did worked overtime. So no overtime, but we still, I mean, we produced a mass amount. So it was uh, fantastic news. Right. And, um, yeah, so from a labor perspective, and I, I just talked with our HR manager this week, knowing that I was going to be getting on with you. And she showed me numbers to where, you know, our average turnover rate as a result is less than a third wow. of what it was last year. So, um, you know, it's just a fantastic win. So as far as a labor perspective, Taffy Town's sitting in a pretty good spot.
0: Um, that's great. Yeah. Well, I can imagine working with you and your team, uh, just a, a great team. It's it's all about making sure that they uh, are taken care of and, and everybody's uh, rowing in the same direction. It sounds like that's happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and then as far as, uh, you know, material supplies, I think certainly... Things found themselves stabilizing a lot through last year and into this year. In fact, I think as we've chugged along in 2023, um, you know, there's there's certain areas where we've seen softening, like in tropical oils that we're sourcing. Sure. You know, but uh, it, it just never fails. We always keep hoping that sweeteners might soften. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll, we'll see, but, you know, it, it just seems like it's it's one reason or another in, in that particular commodity as to why there might be a justified increase, whether it's tight supply or, or you know, capacity to process or uh, weather-related issues on the crops or whatever, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's tricky
0: yeah there's a lot i mean we we uh we've talked on the podcast about uh inventory levels in particular and how there has been some slowdown on the sweetener side uh simply because uh, uh people have higher than normal inventories and maybe they're revisiting uh the amount of inventory they have so we've definitely seen some slowness um and as you know going into uh, negotiations for uh, in particular, corn sweetener in the next few months. That'll be uh, an interesting time, and with all the dryness in the Midwest right now, the corn crop. Uh, depending on the day you're looking, uh, those futures are are going up and down. And add in a, 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 a bombing at the uh, the port of Odessa in Ukraine, and boy, mm. you've got you got volatility there. So uh, interesting time. But you know, we've also talked about how the industry is running better. So. Um, it'll be a, a delicate balance as we uh, enter those negotiations.
1: Yeah, and I think you know uh, other things that we see now that are you know to our help as opposed to maybe this time last year or earlier is you know some of the spikes in, in fuel increases for the season yeah. have not been as intense as in you know last year. I think um, it hasn't been as big of a factor on on increases so, you know i think that that is great but you know as far as a current challenge that we're we're staring down the barrel right now is this looming ups strike um i don't know if mm. you guys have uh, touched on that at all in any of your uh, podcasts. we we
0: haven't uh, so why don't you give people a, a a a recap of what's happening
1: sure so you know unless unless something drastically changes UPS uh, workforce is anticipating a strike on aug- August 1st so that's when their union contracts are up for negotiation and it has been anticipated that they will strike unless there's a uh, demands are met or changes made and so that's going to be a major disrupt to parcel service um, across the industry we've been talking with and, and you know the sad thing from a taffytown perspective is they're kind of exclusive for us in all of our e-commerce deliveries, which makes up about, you know, uh, in, 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 from a sales perspective, it's, it's not the biggest part of our, our business. Uh, It's only maybe less than 10% of what we do, but it's a significant amount. And, and um, so we're, we're looking to try and set up FedEx as we speak, you know, and, and we've got things going, but it's, It's a difficult time. And so FedEx is already trying to take some, you know, and they have been for the last two or three weeks, been trying to take some actions to ensure that they are covering, you know, existing customer base, trying to get a handle on what is priority volume that they that they typically handle and then figuring out. What they can do to make up for the loss of their number one competitor in the business so
0: yeah from an e-commerce standpoint that's a big deal i mean yeah ups i think uh employs well over three hundred thousand people so uh that could have a huge impact uh on deliveries and in the cost of deliveries and when you're going to get your delivery so wow.
1: yeah it'll that's- it'll likely shake up everything for a little bit and i i think everyone is hoping that it will be short lived. So it's just something that uh, we're all kind of on pins and needles about to see how, how that shakes out, I think. but um,
0: Well, let's shift over to uh, the candy industry in general uh, and your thoughts there. I know you've attended some recent uh, conferences and shows like Sweets and Snacks in the Western Candy Conference in March and um, kind of how the industry, I mean, leading up to the end of 22, the reports came out that in many different segments of uh, the candy industry, dollar sales were up, uh, whether it be on the chocolate side, uh, hard candy side. So uh, obviously that's positive for the candy industry, but uh, what, what are some of your thoughts on what's happening uh, as we entered 23 or in the middle of 23 right now?
1: Yeah, I, I think... Uh, you know the industry as a whole is seeing a lot of positive metrics, and you know just from you know if if someone wanted my take on how some of these industry events and conferences uh, are are being attended and what's kind of the feel of the room, uh, I'd say it's nothing but positive, and a lot of buyers as and manufacturers are are having more serious conversations about how to increase business. How can we be more innovative? What can we do to get more products sold? It just seems like there was, um, particularly at the sweets and snacks expo, uh, they had record number of an attendance, I think on the second day of that show. Um, So more people attended that show than they ever have, which was great. And they were very, very qualified buyers uh, in my opinion on the traffic. You know, there was There was a lot of people coming through that were, you know, with a lot of purpose on certain candies that they were looking for, uh, certain things they wanted to expand and grow and and figure out how to sell more candy. So I think as an industry, um, very positive vibes and everybody's very anxious and eager to just keep the ball rolling because I think uh, a lot of us as manufacturers grew a lot and saw demand, you know, go through the roof. Uh, last year um, and, and the year prior uh, with, with lockdowns and things. But, um, you know, I would, I would tell you that as far as my company is concerned and what I'm seeing in the industry, uh, there's still a lot of opportunity for growth. And I think particularly in the non-chocolate category, it, even more so, um, it seems to be, you know, kind of the choice for, for greater demand. Um, and I think the NCA's numbers kind of can point to that and 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 prove as much that it's a, it's a leading item, and uh, as opposed to maybe some chocolate items right now. I I know you'd mentioned uh, you know to me earlier because we don't deal in the category right. We don't do a lot of chocolate, but but you know that there's a lot of uh, chocolate components that are at all time highs right now, um, yeah. and I think it makes it a little difficult to uh, you know when when. There's a little bit of an economic squeeze on consumers' pockets right now to, to figure out what kind of uh, you know choices they're going to make on snacks and things uh, that they're going to consume. So,
0: yeah, uh, chocolate's going to have a big uh, big challenge as we get into 2024. Obviously, on our podcast, everybody's listened to the uh, the increases uh, in the sugar industry in particular. Uh, for next year, but also taking that and uh, cocoa futures at a forty-some odd year high—that's that's, uh, that's going to be a challenge. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One other thing before we let folks go, and and that is something I mentioned earlier, Derek. Uh, you've been heavily involved in the Western Candy Conference for many years. And um, those that don't know about the Western Candy Conference, make sure you check it out at westerncandy.org. Uh, they have a conference every March. Uh, and this next one's March 20th through 24th in the beautiful area of Scottsdale, Arizona, at the McCormick Ranch, which is a Hilton property. And so uh, I would encourage you to go because, you know, Derek, it's one of the the last conferences where you really, uh, it's a really family uh, business oriented uh, conference where uh, you're not only education, but it's peer to peer where you're learning and, and growing together with the challenges in the candy industry.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's my favorite conference that I look forward to every year. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, it, you know it's it's a little more intimate and, and a great group of people that are so welcoming because um, I think the tradition and it really is a tradition right we are we're, we're multi generational and, and it's uh, since its inception so many years ago but it's it's all about I think uh, finding connection with peers and suppliers in the industry especially if you find yourself maybe being a small to mid-sized manufacturer. And, you know, I know that there's a lot of industry events where uh, you may find yourself um, maybe not uh, feeling on the same page or or feeling a little bit, uh, you know, out of your element uh, with a lot of bigger manufacturers in the room. I mean, as we know, the candy industry has very huge companies that, that participate as well. Um, Western Candy is a place where, you know, it, uh, it's really ideal for small and, and mid-sized manufacturers to come together and get to know one another. And um, we, we have a, a, just a great time in getting to uh, discuss issues that we're facing, uh, learn some best practices and innovations that uh, maybe one or two of us are experimenting with and sharing um, and that's what's great about it—the idea of just kind of mind, you know, sharing of ideas, and not being, um, you know, all too, you know, hush hush that that's what I see happening at Western. It's just, just that camaraderie. It's fantastic.
0: Absolutely. And it's
1: a fun time while we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm with you. I look forward to it every year. It definitely is different. And, uh, it's again, a family atmosphere, which, um, and, and sharing ideas. And, uh, even if, uh, folks are competitors, it's friendly competitors and learning from each other and, and having strength as an industry, so go ahead and check that one out. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, uh, thank you, Derek, uh, for joining us. And and the cool thing about t- uh, Taffytown Taffy is that you always know it's if it's Taffytown because uh, on the ends it says Taffy Town. And I th- I don't know if you were the marketer to do that, Derek, but that was a uh, uh, genius because that's when I know I'm going to have some quality taffy is when your name's on it. Thank you. I wish I could
1: take credit, but no, that was my father. Great, great idea.
0: (laughs) Well, he's not here. So uh, why don't you go ahead and take credit? (laughs) Anyway, as I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. Do something fun this weekend. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit mckinney-favelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.